Good morning. Welcome to BCF Church. If we haven't met, my name is Bo. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to our series, Tighten the Knot. Now, before I go much further, we are going to be talking about some difficult situations in marriages today. So if you have small children with you, uh, elementary age, babies, toddlers, I want to encourage you, take them to our children's ring, right through that door there in the back of the auditorium. They will have so much more fun at BCF Kids, you will be so much more comfortable. Today, we're talking about tightening the knot. You've heard of tying the knot. We want to tighten the knot. Because in our marriages, we are either drawing closer together or we are drifting further apart. We, our marriage is either getting tighter or it's getting looser. And so this is what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Now, last week we talked about fighting well to tighten the knot. And I hope this was as helpful to you as it was for me. Because even this last week, I had to put my own teaching into practice. Uh, there was a situation and I found, you know, my temper starting to, temperature starting to rise and my, my temper flaring. I had to wait. Okay, wait. What did I just talk about? Step back. Pray. Make it my goal to understand my wife. Look at my own reaction buttons. What's causing me to get angry? And then own my own part of the blame. Now, friends, we are not going to fix our marriages overnight. But if we make it our goal to, to love each other, to learn our, each other's love languages, how we can build each other up in love, and if we make it our goal that every conflict strengthens our marriage, it's an opportunity to get to know each other better, to understand each other, we can tighten the knot. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a Q&A panel of married couples here on stage. And I want to encourage you, if you have questions about marriage, you have questions like, hey, what about this? What about this situation? How would you do this? Please send us your questions. In your connection card on the back, just write question and then send us your question. For those of you watching online, we're going to post a link there in the chat. If you didn't get a connection card, you can scan that QR code right up there on the screen and send us your questions. Now, I do want to add something to what I taught last week. Sometimes we need an outside perspective. Sometimes we need to go and get help. We need to get counseling. My wife and I, we've been to see marriage counselors, and it helped to have an outside perspective, someone who doesn't have a dog in the fight, to, to say, okay, here's what I see. What about this? What about that? If you want marriage counseling, please reach out to us. We know some marriage counselors, some marriage coaches. We would love to point you in the right direction. Because sometimes our knot is not just loosening. Sometimes it's fraying. Sometimes the knot is broken through adultery or divorce. And maybe as you've been attending for the past few weeks, you say, well, that's, that's great for, for you, but what about me? You know, it, is it too late for me? Is it too late for our marriage? Is, is my life over? And I want you to know your life is not over. God is in the business of bringing beauty out of ashes, of raising life, from the dead. But we are going to be talking about some difficult subjects today. What do I do 
when the not frays. I want to invite you to take out your notes. I want to encourage you to follow along. And even if you're not married right now, follow along. Take some notes because friends are going to come to you. Friends who are in struggling marriages. And you want to be able to say, well, here are some of the things that I'm learning. Now, as we deal with these subjects today, I'm going to share with you, here's what the Bible has to say about it. And then I want you to hear from some couples some who in our church who have gone through some of these same struggles and same issues. And I want you to see what God has taught them and some of the freedom that they have found in Jesus Christ. Because this first subject is very difficult, very painful. How do we overcome adultery? And I know there, there may be no greater pain in a marriage than when your husband or your wife commits adultery. There may be no deeper betrayal in your heart. No greater pain, no, maybe no greater anger than when you find this out. And you can't just move forward and try to pretend like nothing happened. You have to deal with it. Why is this pain so great? Why is this sense of betrayal so deep? Here's what the Bible says about marriage. The Bible says a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Two become one. There is a mingling of souls. There is a uniting of hearts and spirits. And often in our wedding ceremonies, we, we have these symbols to show this. Maybe the pouring of sand or the lighting of a unity candle or even the lasso. Or, or tying a knot. And these are just outward symbols of what's going on in the spiritual level where two are becoming one. And the Bible continues, this is a great mystery. It means we don't fully understand what this means, how this happens at a deep spiritual level. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. If you have a pen or a pencil, I want you to underline Christ and the church. You see, marriage was meant to be a symbol here on earth of our relationship with God. The deepest relationship we can have on earth, God says, this is just a small picture of the relationship I want with you for all eternity. And one day in heaven, we will be united with Jesus forever. And so God says, marriage is meant to be a small taste of heaven. And I know some of you right now are thinking, well, <laughs> my marriage feels like a taste of hell. Why is this so painful? Because it is meant to symbolize something greater. And if you are feeling that pain and that hurt right now, I want you to know God knows how you feel. God knows how you feel. See, God intended marriage to be this symbol of his love for us. And how often are we unfaithful to our Father in heaven? How often do we turn away from Jesus to chase after other things? In the Bible, in the Old Testament, God's people would turn from worshiping the Lord to chasing after fake gods. And God says, admit you have rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against him. Underline that. God knows how you feel. So if you're angry, 
God knows your anger. He feels your anger. If you are sad and betrayed, God feels your betrayal. He feels this with you. And so you can go to him and say, God, this sucks. This hurts. This is the most horrible pain I've ever gone through. And God feels it with you. And he says, I know how you feel. And he can help you. Turn first to God. And then get help. Get help. Get help. I cannot emphasize this enough. So often we think, well, I, I don't want to get help. And in our, pride, in our pride, we say, I can fix this myself. You know, as guys, we like to fix things. I see a problem, I'm going to fix it. But unfortunately, I cannot fix this problem because I'm the one who caused it. Get help. Maybe our, what's preventing us is this fear, fear of what other people will think of us. You know, on Instagram, my life looks perfect. What if people realize my life is not perfect? Don't let that stop you. Get help. Reach out to other couples in our church. Say, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's the pain I'm dealing with. The truth is none of our marriages are perfect. We're all dealing with pain behind closed doors. Get help. I'd like you to hear from a couple in our church who have gone through this same pain, and I want you to see what God has taught them. Well, uh, when Marty found out um, and she confronted me, I didn't, um, I didn't deny it. When I found out, I didn't know if we were going to continue to be married. One of the biggest things that helped me I knew where to go. I had somebody to talk to. I thank God for, for my accountability partners, my godly friends that reminded me of, of God's word, reminded me of the enemy. He is very real. And because if I had gone an advice of just leave them, and I think I would have gone that route because I was so angry. But I also knew um, that my marriage was worth it, that Jesus can restore. We talked, and um, I reached out to some of the pastors here at church, and um, we met to seek guidance uh, and to start the healing process. We, we did uh, seek uh, counseling through a Christian counselor to also uh, help us work through it. It was difficult because I know I had hurt her and she was in pain. We began to spend more time together. Uh, we'd have date nights, uh, you know, we'd talk a lot, open up to each other. And that was something that was very difficult for me because I'm not used to sharing my emotions. It was a process. It was um, a choice. I had to make a choice daily, choose to forgive, and then with his strength, I was able to be the wife that God has called me to be. I, I feel like God was closer to me than, than ever. Like I, I've learned that through the hard things is 
where I've experienced God the most. I know God could forgive me. Um, and I was surprised, uh, very surprised that she did. But one of the hardest things I had to do was uh, to forgive myself because of the guilt, of the shame, that um, not only putting my wife and my children through. Um, so it, it took a while. It took a while, a long time for me to forgive myself. Um, but I prayed and I asked God to help me. And um, I was able to forgive myself. And uh, I thank my wife and I thank God every day for that. There is hope for your marriage. There is hope, so get help. Mari mentioned reaching out to her friends, her accountability partners, her godly friends. That was her small group. You can find those friends, other men if you're a man, other ladies if you're a lady, to reach out and say, here's what's really going on, pray for me. We're going to be launching new small groups in just a few weeks. You can find our groups right now on bcfchurch.com groups. You can scan that QR code, or you can even go on your church center app, Get Connected. Do you have a story of what God has done in your marriage? Be willing to share it. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on the screen like Santiago and Mari Carmen. They were very bold to share with us what's going on. But it may just be, hey, in my small group, maybe you lead a couple's group and you say, here's what God is doing in our marriage. Here's what God has brought us through. I want to share this with you. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says they conquered him. That's Satan. They conquered Satan by the blood of the lamb. That's Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. They conquered Satan through what Jesus did on the cross and by the word of their testimony. If you have a pen or a pencil, underline that. The word of their testimony. That means they were willing to say, here is what Jesus has done in my life. Here's the difference Jesus made in my life. And through that, they conquered Satan. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy our marriages. And you can say, look, I'm going to stop him by what Jesus did for me on the cross and by sharing what Jesus has done in my marriage, in my life. If you have any questions about small groups, stop by our table there in the back of the auditorium. Talk to Aaron Galvan. He's going to be helping coordinate our small groups this fall. It does take two people to be willing to work through it, though. So what do you do if your spouse wants a divorce? What if your husband or wife is not willing to do the work? What if you are the only one fighting to save your marriage? What if they don't even believe in Jesus? Well, the Bible talks about this. In ancient Corinth, Corinth was like Las Vegas today, Sin City. Except it was Las Vegas on steroids. People were completely committed to every kind of sexual perversion. 
But yet even in Sin City, Corinth, there was a group of Christ followers, a growing group of believers, and men and women were coming to know Jesus Christ. And what would often happen is a husband or a wife would start following Jesus, but their spouse was still chasing after sin. And they're like, well, what do we do now? And so here's what the Bible says. Paul, the apostle, wrote to this church, and he said this, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer, and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. Underline that. He must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. Friends, as long as they are, continue, as they are willing to continue in the marriage, do not leave them. Now, there may have to be some changes. You may have to say, look, you can stay in the marriage, but you have to choose me. You have to put an end to this adulterous relationship. Maybe even say, you need to take an STD test to make sure that our marriage relationship, that our family is safe. But if they are willing to stay, keep on fighting. It is amazing what God can do if we surrender this to him and say, God, I am willing to stay in this for you. Maybe you're saying, well, why? Why would I do this? Why would I choose to stay in this marriage if I'm miserable? Well, the Bible continues. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage. And the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. You bring the Holy Spirit of God into your family as a believer. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. What is the Bible saying? Keep trying for the sake of the kids. Keep trying. Now, often we may hear, I don't want to just stay in it for the kids' sake. And my wife and I, we've heard this from couples who are struggling, who've gone through so much pain. I don't want to just do it for the kids. But friends, your children are an excellent reason to keep fighting for your marriage. Your kids need you. And, and maybe if you get a divorce, your kids might spend half their time with a family that is not following God, that is not pursuing him. And God says, I want you to be that influence in your family. Now, I'm not talking about situations where there's abuse. If there's abuse, get out for the safety of your family. And I'm not just saying fake it until they grow up. No, I am saying kids are a good reason to keep fighting for your marriage. But what if you have no choice? What if they insist on leaving you? Well, the Bible continues. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving... Let them go. And I know that is so hard. This person you've just poured your life into, this, you have this deep spiritual bond with to let them go, but release them to God. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. Underline that, no longer bound. For God has called you to live in peace. If they insist on going, let them go. Release them to God. You are no longer bound. You are free. 
free to live in peace. But as long as your husband or wife is willing to stay, keep fighting for your marriage. Now, something we can all do to help strengthen our marriages, I want to encourage you, attend the weekend to remember coming up in November. Attend that. Whether you are, your marriage is doing okay, or it's on the, the brink of falling apart, or maybe you're just engaged, check out the weekend to remember. I want you to hear from some couples in our church and what their experience has been. Originally, it was because we were just about to get married, and we decided to go as part of our pre, uh, pre-marriage counseling. Yeah. Um, we both come from broken homes, and so we wanted to get started on the right foot. Um, BCF had the message out um, about it, and uh, we decided that it would be a good start to, as a foundation for our relationship. It actually reminded Mia to be a better wife, and it reminded me to be a better daughter and to be a better mama and to be a better person because marriage is hard and it's hard work. My favorite part about the entire conference was that it wasn't boring. They were they were making jokes. Mm-hmm. It was very light when it what for the most part, but when it when it needed to be serious, it was. And and I liked the fact that it was not just serious the entire time telling me how bad of a husband I was. Yeah, I was kind of expecting them to tell us those laundry list of rules of what you should and shouldn't do in a marriage, but it was cool to hear from real people, their real life experiences, and we were able to relate to them and go, oh yeah, we do that, I do that, and and then see how they resolved it. If you're thinking about it and 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 you're not sure, just go. Just do it. You'll get something out of it. It won't be for nothing. Invest in your marriage. It's the most important relationship you have, other than with Jesus. Just do it. <laughs> Tomorrow is the last day you can register for half off. So if you've been thinking about it, you've been praying about it, you're like, I, I think we should go, register today. You can sign up online. We have a QR code there. Use our group name, BCF Church. That helps us help more couples go to this conference. If you have any questions, stop by our table there in the back. Pastor Rich would love to share more with you, more information about the weekend to remember. But what if, what if your marriage is already broken? What if the knot has already frayed? It's already fallen apart. Maybe throughout this series you've been wondering, well, what about me? You've already divorced. You've already remarried. And you think, is is it too late for me? Is it too late for us to have God's best? No. God can still do amazing things in your life. How do we strengthen a blended family? A blended family where you or your spouse are bringing kids from a previous marriage and now you're all together and you wonder, how is this going to work? I want you to know two things. First, God can still use you to do great things. You are not a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. God can do amazing things through you and your family. But number two, it's going to be hard. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I spoke with a representative from Family Life this past week, and he shared some statistics. He said, uh, 
remarried families have 25% more stress than other families. And I was talking to a friend, and he said, no, it's definitely more than 25% more. I also heard remarried couples have an 85% divorce rate. If you are remarried, you have an uphill battle in front of you. But it is not impossible. God can still work in your family. It is worth it to continue the fight. God has amazing things for you. In the Bible, King David is one of the greatest heroes we read about. But he also had some of the greatest failures. In this one time, King David, his soldiers were out in battle. He was staying home in the safety of the palace. And one of his soldiers, Uriah, was out on the front lines fighting the battles, fighting Israel's enemies. And David slept with this man's wife, Bathsheba. His friend Uriah is deployed and David commits adultery with his wife. And then Bathsheba finds out, I'm pregnant. And David panics. He, he has Uriah brought home on furlough thinking, well, he's going to sleep with his wife and he's going to think the baby's his and everything will be covered up. But that didn't work. And so then David talks to Uriah's commanding officer and says, put him in the most dangerous combat zone where he is sure to be killed. David basically has him murdered. And then after he dies, David remarries Bathsheba and tries to pretend everything's okay. Nobody knows about my failures. But God knew. And so God sent a preacher named Nathan to confront David with his sin. And David, to his credit, admitted it. He didn't try to hide it anymore. He repented. In fact, he wrote one of the most beautiful songs of repentance in the Bible, Psalm 51. It starts out by saying, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. If you've ever felt like you've really screwed up, read Psalm 51. Pray it back to God. This is a powerful, powerful prayer. And God forgave David. But he also said it's going to be hard. He sent Nathan the prophet to tell him, this is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. And that happened, and there were rebellions, and there were wars, and there were so many painful things in David's family. It was hard. But it wasn't impossible. God can still use you. God can still do amazing things. You see, David and Bathsheba, after they were married, they had another child together named Solomon. And the Bible says... The Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. God says, I love this child. And Solomon went on to be the richest and wisest king in Israel's history. In fact, during Solomon's reign, Israel had more peace than any other time in history. And even better than that, when the Bible tells us about Jesus' family tree, it says this. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, 
a descendant of David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. What is God saying? God's saying, even though they sinned, even though it was a blended family, I want to use this blended family to do amazing things. And Jesus chose that his ancestor, one of his human ancestors, would be a child from this blended family. Guys, God is not done with you. I'd love for you to hear from a couple in our church and what God is teaching them in their blended family. It's been five years that I've been with this lovely woman next to me, and it's, every day is, is, is a new challenge. Every day is a new challenge, and I think that is the most challenging thing when it comes to co-parenting, is we both have our own, our, our own set of kids. Uh, my children are all adults, all over the age of 19, 20. And then her set of kids, beautiful as they are, they're young and uh, they're little ones. And what I found out that what, have, what may have worked for my kids or for my sons and my daughters uh, may not work for, for her children and uh, they require different things. It literally is just being flexible and walking through this with the children and having grace on them and just really learning how to go with the flow because every day is so different. And I've had the privilege of helping Devin, especially with his, um, with his youngest son. I helped raise him when he was a teenager in high school and going through some really hard things. The Lord definitely used that to prepare me for my children. I mean, it's, I, sometimes I feel in over my head, but I look back now and I see like the, hand, the Lord's hand over our situation, over our marriage and over our lives. God, God's never done with us. He's never done, done with me. He's never done with my wife. And I think our new relationship, our new marriage uh, together has opened up the door for, for God to teach us something new. The greatest things I've found in our marriage is just the importance of finding time for each other. And sometimes that can be difficult with the children and having them back and forth or work or life just in general. Through our marriage, we've learned that our time with each other is really precious and really important. What I've learned in all of this and being a part of the uh, Walter family now is that the feeling's not always there and you have to work at it. And the work can be worthwhile. It is worthwhile. And so we, we can't forget that. Just humble ourselves in every relationship, whatever the relationship is, but most of all when it comes to your your spouse who loves you, who cares for you, who puts up with you. Uh, it's so important just to every day to put in the work. I love what Devin said. God is never done with you. God can take your worst failures, your deepest pains, your, your most painful betrayals, and God says, if you let me, I can turn them into something beautiful. But you have to let him. You have to surrender this relationship, this marriage to God. And that means you're saying, God, I can't control this. I, I, I can't fix him. I can't fix her. I can't even fix myself. You're saying, God, I can't make them stay. 
but God, I'm giving this to you. Even if this, this broken marriage, this ended marriage, this new marriage, God, I am giving this to you. God, take control. Wherever you are today, will you give God control? I want to invite you to pray with me. Let's give God control of our relationships. Father in heaven, you created marriage to show us a taste of heaven. But God, we're sinners, and we're broken, and we're messed up, and we need your help. God, please take control of our marriages. If you could raise Jesus from the dead, Father, you can breathe new life into our dead and dying relationships. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to take control of your life. Then that's your first step. You can tell him that right now, just right where you're seated, maybe wherever you're watching from online. Say, Jesus, I give you control. Just tell him, Jesus, I admit my failures. I'm not trying to hide them. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Tell him that. And then Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross so I could be free. And say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you rose from the dead. Say, Jesus, I believe. And then invite him to come in. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Take control. Fill me with new life from your Holy Spirit. Just do that right now. Just right where you're seated. Maybe just whisper it, but say, Jesus, take control. Jesus, take control. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.